0: Hello everybody, Natalie coming to live, Spirit and Coffee. Um, it has been a quite a long time, probably about two months since I've gotten on here live um, and um, for a good reason, um, but I wanted to get on today and just have a little chit chat about what's been going on, what's new, um, and you know, kind of why I think I haven't been so consistent um, for something that I did for four years. And you'll hear in my you know previous podcast that I had this spark of inspiration. I'm like, I'm coming back. And then I just kind of don't. Um, and that's part of life, right? So talking about being a practitioner of the great work and practice is the operative word. It's practical use, right? Because we're learning to be practitioners, to practice the work, to be in the work not just to conceptualize or talk about it but how do we apply spiritual alchemy to our life and what does that even mean what does that even look like well it's going to look different of course for everybody um and during this process um of i would say kind of incubation just really kind of discovering who i am again my authentic self um and also taking a lot of a of um, you know, classes, you know, my master's program, really understanding the clinical terms that I apply to alchemy, because alchemy itself, the the clinical terms of alchemy, um, you know, they, they're going to be different than what was used historically in the past. And they have a way. So alchemy is everything, for one. Um, And there are many different processes uh, that you could apply to the alchemic process, spiritual alchemic process. Now, mental well-being being a huge piece, right? How do you find your mental health and mental wellness? And that is one of the most important things. How do we start with the mind? How do we get the mind in a place that's good, where we feel grounded, where we feel healthy, where we feel safe, where we're able to contemplate these larger issues? and understanding that there's a process. So part of, you know, what what I've been learning and stuff like that is the human development process, kind of what scholars have said about human development, not necessarily or particularly what I believe to be true or my opinion about it, but what they've studied in, you know, labs with children and that kind of thing and what their clinical terms are considered to be in terms of human development. What does it look like in terms of how we shape and move through the world? um, Being that alchemic process and that, that mental well-being, right? How does that evolve over time? Well, there's an alchemical process to it, spiritual alchemical process to it that I call spiritual alchemy. And they've come up with these several processes. And one of them being like the ego, like understanding what that even means and some of these pre-egoic deep programming that start before we even just develop what we would call in, a, in clinical terms, a healthy ego. What does that look like? What does that mean? What does it mean to go into these other later stages of development? If you're able to um, sort of go through the pre-egoic, egoic phases without having some kind of um, mental um, you know, issues, um, then, or being able to not to transcend those, those mental hangups, wounds is what they call them, then what happens, right, then we tend to fall back, and we tend to not move forward. And so I like the clinical way of looking at it and approach only because as a coach, it makes me understand maybe what other people are going through in terms of their process. And, and maybe where they're developing and not developing or where they're looking to develop and not able to move forward. So it gives us that idea of like, okay, here's how we develop in our mental space, right? How do we start to um, grow into a place where we can become innovative and you know have vision and, and using our logic to apply these bigger things to life? Well, typically we can't do that when we haven't sort of gone through the unhealthy traumas that we've gone through. And a lot of people call that shadow work. So, you know, there's that alchemical process, you gotta do the shadow work, you gotta go back, you've gotta deal with these traumas if you don't deal with the trauma. If you just let that trauma kind of hang out subconsciously, you'll then continue to create a subconscious life that is not helping you to transcend so expanding the consciousness rather than saying oh i'm on a different level it's not about that everybody has their certain stage of development where they are and different issues that they're dealing with so i sort of like this model and i finally found maybe an elixir you know other people's alchemy that they've put together that i sort of say yes i I kind of agree with this person and how they're kind of putting this elixir together to help people to open up their mind to to heal these past traumas to move forward to expand consciousness so that we can get to a place where we're living a deeper authentic life for ourselves what does it mean to be a deeper authentic you a deeper authentic person that's closer to your essence than not and, and living in an integrity for your life. So, and the clinical terms, I think that I never typically used them before because I used alchemy terms, like the um, sacred feminine and sacred masculine. And some people were like, yeah, I, I get that, but I don't really know what that means. I really don't understand what that means. In clinical terms, and what they would say is reparent yourself, learn to be your own mother and your own father. Okay, how do you become your own mother and your own father? How do you learn to nurture yourself but also how do you learn to take care of yourself and give you, provide yourself safety and security? Yes, you can get these from outside things, but eventually you have to be able to do it for yourself. And those are things that you learn as you develop through stages. Now, you know, historically when we look at the past, those stages of development were typically They arose in rites of passage, and they were done in small tribal communities, and so the child sort of went through these phases of life. Well, we don't typically have that in the Western world. Um, Children are not, I mean, we, we have something that's maybe sort of, kind of, but you don't have to ascribe to that, and so most people don't so we do have like in the church rites of passage right will be your communion and stuff like that but when we look at how they they've done the rites of passage it's it's not as grounded as it was in the past when we had these tribal communities because the child can just kind of get through it, right? They go to catechism, whatever, however they're doing it, they go to these youth groups, whatever, and then they have the rites of passage. But back in the day when people were going through rites of passage, oops, I apologize for that. When people were going through rites of passage, um never get better at doing life do I? Um, when they're doing the rites of passage, uh, they typically will do some very, very um, very, very grounded things like they would take the child out into the wilderness for however long. I mean, it was rigorous, in other words, and and it's not as rigorous now. Now it's just go, you know, to class for a couple of weeks and you get a certificate. and Congratulations. There's your rites of passage, not necessarily really allowing the child to embody what it means to develop in that phase. So. When we talk about it and we look at it and we say, well, what does it mean to develop? How do we develop as a human being? How do we move from one phase to the next, especially in the Western world where we don't necessarily have these rites of passage? Um, And you see a lot of people trying to go back into ceremony. They want to go to ceremony. They want to be a part of it because they know that there's something that needs to happen in order for us to move forward in our stages of development. So clinically, hey Lara, how are you? It clinically, when we talk about, you know, moving through the process of development, um, they use different terms, right? And, and there's a lot of psychosis and, um, a lot of things that happen to an individual when they're not developing through the process in a healthy way. And, and the trauma then gets triggered and stuck so it's like a fascial release it's kind of funny because you know the other day i was doing the foam roller and you know my trainer was like well hey when you're rolling on this part you know what it's doing it's untangling that that those knots and it's the same thing we in our development we get these knots that that we need to kind of roll out and and sometimes we don't want to deal with them and if we don't we start to get hurt so you know if we applied it to how the body works if we had a knot and we needed to do fascial release and we didn't, we can then and injure ourselves like our knees. That's probably the biggest one. You have people with knee issues because you know, their hamstrings their lower back issues. And they tend to think that they pulled their back when really their hamstrings are not stretched out. And so they're hurting themselves because they're not rolling thing rolling things out. So, the fascial release, you have to release that that tension so that there's not so much pressure on the knees, right? The same thing with mental well-being and the trauma. If you guys are not moving through the trauma, if you guys are not working and massaging it out and, and untangling the parts of that subconscious trauma, well, guess what's going to happen? You're going to break mentally, eventually. It's just going to happen. And then you're not going to know what to do. And that becomes a tower or a crisis. And in alchemic terms, right, what I would use before is say, it becomes a tower event or a crisis, okay? And for, for clinical terms, we would say that you become neurotic in some way, or there's some kind of mental issue that happens psychologically. And, and sometimes that comes out in what they clinically call ADHD. And they, may, they name all these things, that autism and all these things right they're like well if you go through this crisis you're gonna have depression you have this you have that really what they're saying is you're not focusing on the trauma and you're not willing to work through it because it's really hard and it does put you in that state of mind and they're saying hey we don't know how to help you through the process by uh doing a rites of passage okay so rites of passage are a huge thing in alchemy and clinically, we cannot get through those rites of passage on our own any longer. We have to seek spiritual spiritual connection. Spiritual, experiential. If you, wanna, if you don't want to call it spiritual, you can say experiential. You have to become the practitioner of the great work. And, and being a practitioner of the great work, what does that mean? That means you have to go practice it. That means you have to apply it to your life it's not just about talking about it and so where i've been in my life is really um in the practice of the work you know where um not necessarily feeling like i need to share everything um in the space that i wasn't in i didn't want to really share i wasn't you know i'm working on my masters all that and now it's not that i'm not willing to share the after result or the, the things that I went through, but at the time, just not feeling, feeling like I just need to be quiet for a while, just need to be silenced, not understanding or knowing, you know, I don't know what impact I'm making. I don't even know if these videos has ever touched lives or if it even if it even matters, you know? Um, So, you know, part of me is thinking, well, you know, what do I get to do for me? And how do I apply all that I've taught really to my life to find my authentic self. It's a constant thing. It doesn't just stop. You know, I'm a, I'm a practitioner of the work always, every single day that I wake up, it's, 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 it's relentless. It doesn't stop. It doesn't just one day turn off. Once you start the journey, you're on the journey. So you have to be careful just for not everybody's ready to take the journey. And that's something that I had to understand. Just because you're ready, just because you're on it, just because you're like, hell yeah, let's go, doesn't mean everybody's going ho Some people are not ready to deal with the shadow. They're not ready to deal with all the trauma that they've gone through. They're not ready to face it. They, they, some people can't even face that because if they do, they'll feel like they're dying. And you do, you, you go through a spiritual death. And you will, and it feels like you're dying because you're like, who am I? Who is the self? What is the self that I'm even trying to hold on to? I don't even know what that is. And then you think you've discovered it, and then you're not, it's not that. And then you're like, well, am I ever going to figure it out? The reality is you're a bunch of different things. You're not just one thing. So yeah, it's going to change. And it's okay. That's the point. You can. You can. But as we get older, I think we start to realize that these things come together into like this bigger organized process. So I will tell you that in um, human development, you know, um, the easiest way to talk about the stages and the way that they've created their language of alchemy in clinical terms, (laughs) we would say there's pre egoic development, which is babies and how they develop. And then you have ego when the baby starts to mature into maturation and get develops an ego. Once the ego is developed, then we go into the existential, hey, poetic, After the existential, we reach transpersonal, and so those are the stages of the de- of development in clinical terms. Right in spiritual alchemy, I would name it something totally different using alchemic terms that they used back in the day. So, but clinically, in what we're using today and the way people understand it. So in the pre-ego, if we are looking at it, if there's the child isn't getting what they need, then they're gonna have some trauma issues that are latent, that are inside of them, that are that that will be hidden later on in life that they may not even understand. Okay, oral fixations, all these things that arise during that stage of life. Once the child baby's out of it, they say, okay, well now we're in the ego phase, and if an ego. Um, develops in a healthy way, then they start to go into the existential where they realize that the ego is a part of an organized process. And then they start to see the transpersonal, which is the archetypal patterns, which is the bigger world stuff that's going on. So for me, understanding it from clinical perspective allows me to understand where people are and meet them where they're at. Not everybody has the same viewpoints on development or where they are in their, in their stages of development. Not levels, but stages. Now, in these levels, we include in transcend, okay? And this is, again, I'm talking from the clinical sense because I feel like more people can understand it from a clinical perspective, which I never really had the clinical terms. But if we talk from a clinical sense, then I think that more people will understand, you know, what I'm talking about when it comes to alchemy. Because all they've done in the the clinical sense is taken alchemy and applied different words to it. And that's really what alchemy is, right? It's taking these concepts and then shaping them in ways that make sense. So when we're looking at the clinical piece, right? um, And we're saying, okay, how do we move from one stage to the next? Well, part of what they say and part of of a theory is to include and transcend, include and transcend, include and transcend. Well, what does that mean? That means that we don't deny the shadow and everybody's been talking about shadow. People tend to understand what that word means. Really? What does it mean? It means trauma. You've got to face the trauma and the suffering. Very simple, simply said, not simply processed or gone through or practiced, right? But going through the shadow, is you know part of the process and when we learn to include it and then transcend it meaning that we see it from a different perspective we're able to expand consciousness through these phases that they call you know the ego and then the existential now existential levels of development or stages of development are more about dealing not with identity crisis per se but more dealing with how getting to the root of your authentic self who are you who are you without all of the drama from other people in other words there's an identification of your emotions and the other person's emotions and you realize what's yours and what's not yours notice how we take on other people's emotions and sometimes we don't know if it's ours we're we're like wait is this mine or is it theirs and where's the difference between the two is that my issue or is it their issue and then we start to like not really understand the difference between the two. So when we understand, we understand that objects are separate from us, but emotions, when we can understand that emotions that we have our own, they have their own, and now we're dealing with our own emotional trauma and recognizing that it is a pattern of the whole system, that it's not separate from you. We start to look at the existential stuff that we're going through. And then what we can do in that phase is when vision and logic and all these things start inspiration starts to surface because now we feel like, oh, it's me, it's of me, but it's not me. It's part of this organized system and that's part of the way it is. Then we move into the transpersonal, which is where you have psychic abilities and you're, you're starting to tap into something greater, which is the archetypal. But in the archetypal issues, there's shadow as well. And those are the bigger worldly issues that we see, like sex trafficking and all the, all the things that we don't wanna have to face, but they're there. You know, we can't deny that, that that's happening. We can't deny that there are, you know, people that are, you know, doing horrendous things out there, that it's the shadow side is a worldly thing. It's an archetypal pattern. It's not necessarily, it's part of the whole system and it exists and we can't say it doesn't. So when you're looking at it from the clinical terms, you can say, okay, well, where am I? Now you can ask yourself um, as a practitioner, where am I in my stages of development? You know, what, what's lingering? What, what do I need to, what knots do I have left over latent in that tra- traumatic, those traumatic events that I just kind of need to untangle? and release the fascial release, right? Release the tangles in the subconscious mind, in the conscious mind, being able to deal with them, being able to tease them out, roll them out, and and sort of release that energy. Now, you don't wanna do it too fast either because that's that can drive somebody mad and, and crazy. It's, it's almost too much for us to take in. So slow and steady wins the race so working on moving through the trauma in a very slow steady pace right so that you can find your mental grounding your mental well-being your mental health is critical and so talking about mental health from the clinical terms right is understanding to to be mentally well to allow yourself the space to process these bigger things to process what might be coming up as you're moving through these stages of development and be gentle with yourself um and that is a practitioner and it is alchemy in motion as well so it's not separate alchemy is everything and we we can apply alchemy to the mental the physical the emotional and the different processes that work within it and it's really a process of of expansion it allows us to get to have space. And then in that space, we have more space to be creative. And and if you think about it in your mental space and your physical space, look at the two, are they aligned? Because that's a a true marker of how you're going to feel. The spaciousness of the mind will look like the spaciousness of your space. So if there's a lot of clutter in your space, You probably have a lot of clutter in your mind but the more that you clean out and notice that the monks and all that very minimalist because they understand that the vastness of the mind you have this expansive state of mind and being and it's abundant and spacious but when we put stuff in our mind clutter tends to show up in our space so it's 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 not a one thing or the other it's a both end we 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 work together to look at the spaciousness of our space how is our space what does it look like you know is there a lot of clutter what clutter do we need to those are things that are you know i personally am dealing with in terms of these boxes okay i've moved and and these boxes that i have that are just sort of hanging out it's not even a lot if people saw it I, to me it's clutter but it's like three or four boxes and they're small boxes not even big but it's cluttered to me and these are the tiny little pieces of clutter that are left hanging in my mind and and I'm like how do I organize this now it makes sense why a hoarder would would be so hard to let go of things because internally their mind is cluttered and so is their space and it's like how do I start I can't even breathe where do I start and it's an overwhelming feeling so when we start to clear out the space it's almost you you fear the spaciousness people fear that emptiness that vastness of the universe i mean think about the universe and how vast it is it's this there's more empty space out there and it's vast and that can be a scary concept for people they'd rather have stuff in their space And maybe to feel coddled in a way, like they're in the womb still, than to have this vastness and spaciousness. And it's the same with the mind. And that's why the monkey mind comes in, right? There's all this clutter and we're trying to clean it out so that we can experience the void. We can experience that that soft, gentle vastness that exists, the emptiness that exists which is not easy for most people to get to. That's a very hard place to get to. Now, do we want to be there forever? No, we're always gonna have stuff in our space, but how much stuff, right? And and what's what's a good amount for you to be mentally well? You know, sometimes we gotta clean out the closet, you know? And that's kind of, you know, purge, you gotta purge. And that's another process of like letting go and how do we let go of stuff? and And, you know, that's a process in itself. People moving and stuff like that. Getting rid of stuff is hard for some people. And it makes sense why. Because then it's like I have to give up a part of my mind, a part of me. And that's going away. And will it ever come back or will it just be an empty void? Well, that's scary for most. Most people can't live by themselves or sit in silence for too long. Got to have something going on. So again, the clinical part of it. So coming back and you know, I think with, um, you know, spirit and coffee, I don't know, if you know, I don't know what I'm going to do with spirit and coffee. That's still, you know, I get these bursts of excitement and want to do it. But my whole life has changed as well in terms of, you know, I don't even get up early like I used to, I used to get up at four. And that was like a theme. And I loved it. And now, I'm like, you're lucky if I get up. 7:30. 30 <laughs> i'm like what is going on with me i'm changing my life is changing and that's okay that's part of the alchemic process um i'm changing into something different but the same right there's that same i'm the same person but it's molded a little differently doesn't mean that i've completely different i'm just shaped differently my life is shaped differently uh you know and i am I'm getting older obviously you know i started spirit and coffee before i was even in my 40s and you know now i'm already you know in my 40s 42 going on 43 almost going to be mid 40s because years go by so fast and and i didn't you know i was in a different state of being um state of mind um and i was really working on my health at that time and now my health is stellar compared to what it was before, um, working through the spiritual alchemic process. So I and then, and I did that, I said, I'm gonna apply this spiritual alchemy into my life and it works. So that's why I was sharing it with people because if you find a process that works for you, do it. That's, there's not one way to do spiritual alchemy. There's billions of ways. <laughs> there's ways we haven't even thought of. That are that are there, but there's a beauty to understand there's a beauty to alchemy in that the process is is pretty similar in in all aspects where you know you're going through this transformation, this transmutation changes you know it's a process, and there's different processes you can go through. You don't have to be stuck to just one you know somebody says oh i have the I have the ultimate weight." I'm going to be like, you're lying. It can't be the ultimate way because not everybody, it's not going to work. It's not cookie cutter. It's not going to work for every single person on the planet. Everybody has their own unique way. It might work for a lot of people. It may never yield the results that the person who invented it did it. So you've got to find your own alchemy. That is the key. And that is what all of these people who left information, they left their alchemy behind. And it was just it wasn't a, hey, you got to do it my exact way. They weren't true alchemists if they did that because they knew that you have to apply it differently for every individual. It's not going to be the same. And that's why psychology is such a hard uh, uh, site. They can't say it's scientific. It's hard for them to say, well, it's a science. You know, they make fun that it's not a science. And it's because everybody's uniquely different in the way that they perceive the world their consciousness and their own patterning is very uniquely theirs and they're going to see things very differently sometimes we'll see very similarly but never the same which is pretty magnificent to know that there's a world full of people that can't see they don't see everything exactly the same way there's always something unique to them and so because of that the processes uh, change and 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 we start to look at processes too. Like I am looking at these clinical processes and being like, this doesn't apply to me. Like I can't, there's something missing from here. And that's what a lot of the uh, psychologist um, scholars will do. They'll say, well, this is missing. And why it's because in their experience, it was completely different than the person said, well, this is how it has to be, but it's not. Now, other things are true that you can put a formula to it and it works like mathematics and the sciences, the hard sciences where we're doing like, you know, elixirs and potions and all that kind of stuff. There's sort of an equation that goes with it. And we say, well, that works every time, but the human is so complex and vast. There's so many different processes going on within the human anatomy. There's not just one process. It's, it's, it is it's a full processed being, but there are micro processes happening in the body. So everybody's uniquely different. So there you have it. People have access to different foods. Different foods will cause different neural responses and physi- physiological responses. You know, you take someone it's an, uh, across the world or even if you traveled across the world, your body's going to respond differently based on the foods there. So it's because, you know, our bodies adapt to the environment when not every environment is the same. So but we're an organism that's organized pretty much the same. But our minds. Right. Our minds perceive things differently. And that that's hard. We can't just put it into a box. it's not just it's not linear when it comes to that so it's uh, it's vastly different for everybody unique to everybody and there are processes though that have been created and developed that can help you along your journey and what i do is i take pieces from each and i say that works for here that works for here that doesn't work it doesn't work for me might work for you don't work for me And then you create your own alchemy. So Carl Jung, um, if we go back even to the great philosophers, Plato, Aristotle, if we go back in history, they were doing their own alchemy. They might have learned from somebody else's alchemy and kind of looked at it and then said, yeah, that doesn't apply to me. So why? And then they shifted and changed and they, they added more to the theory saying, well, that didn't really work for me. So. I can't say that this is true. So what is true for me? And they were looking for truth. When they said I'm looking for truth, they weren't necessarily looking for truth with a capital T because no one can hold the capital T truth. They were looking for their truth. What process worked for them? How, who were they in this place and space? What did this world mean to them? And then they left their alchemy, just like I believe my alchemy. And it's what's true for me. And so you can go out and be an alchemist that you have to be a practitioner, though. You have to actually practice the concepts. You can't just talk about them and think about them. You have to actually apply them. And that's scary for most. Okay, so there you have it. Um, Obviously, not a whole lot of people on here but a couple of my old listeners which i love thank you they're not on here any longer kind of hopped on and hopped off um poetic and and lorak um but um i would love to like get into the practice of getting up early and doing this again it's just not happening so i don't want to commit to something it's just not for me at this point but i want to continue to do spirit and coffee maybe i'll make it a late night thing spirit and coffee at night, spirit and tea. (laughs) All right. So there you have it. I love you guys. Have the most beautiful day ever. Um, and I will be getting on soon. Um, not sure how soon, but I will, um, be checking in and getting on. Okay. So love you guys. See you soon. Bye-bye.